Hey there, everyone. This is Greg Schutz for ReadyForTheDraft.com, and now I'm proud to say Ready For The Draft podcast. That's right. I'm putting together a little podcast series leading up to the NFL Draft, which is set to begin Thursday, April 26th, down in Arlington, Texas. That's right. Jerry's World, AT&T Stadium. I know I'm definitely excited. I hope you are too. Uh, you know, growing up draft day, I remember remember it well. Saturdays, I wake up, it was just like Christmas morning. I want to see where my favorite college players would be would be going, where they'd be drafted, and uh, what my favorite NFL team, who they'd be selecting as well. Um, and I just sit in front of the TV for hours watching the draft. Uh, but really what got me turned on to uh, mock drafts, uh, talent evaluation, player personnel, was really... Uh, I began in, in 2000. Uh, I was uh, in my final year at, at the University of Southern California, and I was working for the TV station Annenberg TV News, and I was tasked with the story to evaluate the prospects for uh, USC's draft-eligible players and where they would be going in the draft. So I was breaking down the likes of uh, R.J. Soward, Travis Claridge, Windrell Hayes, Chad Morton, and, uh, and David Gibson had such a blast putting all of that together that, you know, I decided to go ahead and just put together a mock draft for the entire first round. And really the rest is history because I'm now in my 19th year putting together my mock drafts. 19. Wow. That's a long time. Um, you know, I started out just sending it out to friends and family. Then I decided, you know, I'm going to go ahead and send it out to all the NFL teams and media outlets. But, you know, this was the, the days before social media where you're easily able to get all the information out to everyone. Um, I was actually printing out all 100 plus picks, 200 sometimes, and uh, mailing it out to everyone. And, you know, a, a kid in there in his early 20s, you know, I can get pretty pricey. So uh, needless to say, that that didn't last too long. But... Uh, Friends and family began encouraging me to get my content out to the masses, but it really wasn't until 2014 uh, when my wife, she was my girlfriend at the time, uh, actually encouraged me and supported me to put together a website uh, and readyforthedraft.com was born. But I know what you're wondering, you know, so what is readyforthedraft.com? What is it all about? And why would you want to listen to what I have to say? Well, first of all, you know, I, I put in the work. You know, for starters, this is more than just a hobby of mine. It's a passion. I can't sit in front of the TV without wanting to break down players, grab my notepad, jot down strengths, weaknesses. Uh, so it's definitely a passion. My friends, uh, friends know if you're coming over to watch a game, expect me to have a, a notepad in front of me. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm not really sure exactly how my DVR holds up and my wife is amazing um, because I watch roughly 250 FPS games a season from beginning to end. And I make sure that I watch at least one game for all 129 FPS schools. And, uh, you know, I try to sprinkle in a few FCS games here and there as well. Um, my wife has even allowed a, a man cave in the house so that I've, I've got multiple TVs so I can watch three to four games all at once. So, 
you know, I'm, I'm really old school when it comes to, to taking notes as well. I've, I've mentioned the notepads. I've got notebook upon notebook of all of the NFL prospects. So what am I really looking for? You know, obviously I'm, I'm outlining the, the strengths and weaknesses of the players. Um, I'm looking for tendencies, you know, uh, over 250 games. I'll tell you, you know, I've, I've most of the, the prospects that are going to be going in this year's draft, uh, all 300 plus, or I'm sorry, 200 plus, um, I've seen multiple games, you know, for pretty much all of them. And, uh, you know, looking for those tendencies, you know, just, you can't watch just one game and be able to correctly evaluate uh, a player. You have to look for those tendencies. And I'm also looking for the fit whose game is going to translate to the next level. And, uh, where's the best fit going to be? We've already seen what fit can do, uh, for, for a prospect. Look at Jared Goff. Coming out of out of Cal to uh, to the Rams, struggled in his first season, and we were already ready to uh, to send him to the you know to the firing squad. Had a had a rough go of it as a rookie. In comes Sean McVay, and the rest is history. You know, Goff uh, was able to help lead the Rams to uh, an NFC West title. So fit has a lot to play with it, and that's really what I want to try to take a look at whenever I'm breaking things down. And a lot of times when you're looking at my mock draft, um, you know, it may not actually be exactly how things will go, but I'm at least going to tell you this is the way it should go in my, uh, in my honest opinion. Um, so, you know, I definitely want to take you on my journey gearing up for the draft. You know, that's what the website's all about. And that's what this podcast series is all about. And uh, I hope you enjoy the ride. So without further ado, we'll stop talking about me and we'll start talking about the draft. So, you know, when you talk about the draft, you're looking at, uh, you know, the, what, what's the narrative going to be uh, for the 2018 draft? You know, the narratives from from a season ago, you know, you obviously have Miles Garrett going number one overall to the Browns. Three wide receivers went in the top 10. You know, obviously, you know, Corey Davis from uh, from Western, Mich- <coughs> Western Michigan went number five overall. Uh, Mike Williams from Clemson went, went to the Chargers at number seven and then number nine, John Ross going to the Bengals. So you had that. Um, then obviously there's the running back depth, that running back class, Leonard Fournette, you know, and, and, uh, Christian McCaffrey leading the, the Panthers in, uh, in receiving. And then how about, uh, Kareem Hunt third round pick at a, at a Toledo, Led uh, the led the league in rushing, and then obviously Alvin Kamara, the offensive rookie of the year, uh, was dynamic both as a as a runner and a receiver. But uh, you know when it comes down to it, maybe the number one narrative was the quarterback position. Mitchell Trubisky. Bears traded up from the number three pick to number two to get him. He was a guy that people weren't even talking about when the season began. But what you saw with Mitchell Trubisky was the accuracy, the ball placement, and uh, you know the Bears bought in. So they traded, traded up, traded with the 49ers to the number two overall pick. And those trades, you know, that, that happened quite a bit. We're probably going to see that again this year. But uh, you know, a season ago, Kansas City Chiefs traded up for, for Patrick Mahomes out of Texas Tech. I was surprised. I didn't think Mahomes was going to go before... Uh, Deshaun Watson, but you know that's exactly what happened. And then uh, Houston was the beneficiary of having Deshaun Watson sitting right there because two picks later, 
they were able to go ahead and pick up Deshaun Watson, who had a fantastic start to his rookie season, but uh, that was cut short due to a season-ending injury. So inevitably, the narrative for this year's draft is going to be the quarterback position. You know, and uh, it's projected that as many as five quarterbacks will be drafted in round one. You know, that's actually what I have in my mock draft right now. That's something that hasn't been, uh, that actually hasn't happened since 1999 when uh, Tim Couch out of Kentucky was drafted number one overall by guess who? The Cleveland Browns. And I was also a draft that uh, it was the same year that Donovan McNabb coming out of Syracuse was the number two overall pick of the Philadelphia Eagles. And we all know, uh, you know, what happened after that. Uh, so, you know, with so many teams on the market for a quarterback, you can run down the list of, of teams that are looking for a franchise quarterback. Uh, you know, the Browns, the Bills, the Cardinals, um, the Jets, uh, the Broncos, and, uh, you know, teams that currently have a, uh, you know, a, a franchise quarterback, you know, the Giants with Eli, Steelers with Big Ben, uh, Saints with Drew Brees, uh, Chargers with Phillip Rivers, obviously the Patriots with uh, with the GOAT, Tom Brady. Um, you know, there there's are teams that are, have to be looking at their, their future as well because you know, all of those quarterbacks are, uh, you know, in their, either in their late 30s or, or 40s. And, uh, you know, their end of their career, you know, is, uh, is right around the corner. So what are they going to be doing for the future? And, uh, you know, with all those quarter, like I said, all the teams that are on the market for a quarterback, um, there's a chance that, uh, Mason Rudolph from Oklahoma state could sneak his way into round one. Now imagine this six quarterbacks taken in round one. That hasn't happened since 1983. How about that? 1983 was a draft that produced John Elway, Jim Kelly, and Dan Marino. Think about that. Do we have these, you know, these names, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, Mason Rudolph. Could those guys be our future uh, pro bowlers and, and hall of famers? Could we be seeing something, you know, history being made much like the, uh, the 1983 draft 35 years ago? Be interesting to see exactly how, uh, what, what takes place, but, uh, kicking everything off, you know, you've got the Browns, uh, at number one overall once again, and, uh, they're said to be deciding between Josh Allen and, and, uh, and Sam Darnold. But, you know, in my opinion, Sam Darnold's really the guy that uh, you know should be the guy because he, he's really the most complete of the quarterbacks in this year's draft, and his struggles are areas that can be easily corrected. You know, we we talk about a lot of the uh, issues with ball security. You know, hanging on to the football and uh, making the pre-snap reads. You know, a lot of that came to ex- inexperience. You know, this is a kid who is a, a was a redshirt freshman <clears throat> for the Trojans. So there are things that Sam Darnold does that you just can't coach. And we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. Um, you know, when you talk about a guy like Josh Allen, Josh Allen, you know, the completion percentage, everyone's going to fall in love with the arm strength. Yes, he can throw the football a mile, has a cannon for an arm, just jumps off his hand. But 56% completion percentage is 56% completion percentage. 
and uh, you know we'll talk about that in here in a little while. Um, but the, that completion percentage is 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 worrisome. If you can't complete sixty percent of your passes in college, what makes you believe that you'll be able to complete sixty percent of your passes at the next level? Josh Rosen. Really, for him, he's the most NFL ready quarterback. And if you give him a clean pocket, or if he's uh, at practice in his in his gym shorts. You know, he's going to light you up and he's deadly accurate. But what about when the pocket, you know, when he's he's under pressure, when the pocket's collapsing? You know, that lack of mobility and uh, the injury concerns, that to me is is a huge, uh, huge red flag there for, for Josh Rosen. Baker Mayfield. If Baker Mayfield had been three, four, five inches taller, I think he'd be the number one quarterback in the draft and there wouldn't be any discussion. You know, Baker Mayfield, for me, is, is the number one overall quarterback. But the lack of measurables, are you going to take a guy who is just over six feet tall and uh, you know, is, is just you know, an okay athlete? Um, you know, he's not the athlete of Drew Brees or, or Russell Wilson. Probably not. Probably not. Although, John Dorsey, if you're looking to change a losing culture in Cleveland, Baker Mayfield's your guy. Lamar Jackson. Tremendous athlete, 2016 Heisman Trophy winner. But he's still so raw as a quarterback. And that's really the biggest concern that you have for him. I think there's enough upside. And you'll hear me talk quite a bit about the fact that he reminds me so much of Michael Vick. And that's what I think separates him from Josh Rosen is, you know, the the ability to to make plays with his legs. You know, and that's one of the things, you know, or I'm sorry, uh, Josh Rosen... Uh, Josh Allen, different Josh. You know, Josh Allen, 56 completion percent completion percentage, but he's not the athlete that Lamar Jackson is, who also had a 56% completion percentage in his career. You know, that athlete and that that dy- that um, explosiveness on the outside. Michael Vick, he only completed 56% of his passes in his two years at Virginia Tech. And you saw what he did at the next level. But it was also because of those legs, you know, that, that burner, burner speed and uh, that, that cannon for an arm. Mason Rudolph, is he a system quarterback there in Stillwater? You know, that's a, that's a big question. And uh, he lacks the ideal arm strength. You know, for me, you know, he, he's someone who I think if you look at this draft class, he probably has the weakest arm of, of the, the top quarterbacks. That's a concern. That's something that, uh, you won't be able to to develop quite as much. Um, so I think when it comes down to it, when we're talking about the quarterbacks, like I said, Sam Donald, most complete right now. Uh, you know, good size, 6'4", 220 pounds. Obviously burst onto the scene as a redshirt freshman. You know, USC, man, they were heading in the wrong direction. One and two, people calling for Clay Helton's head. Donald... Steps in, loses his first game as a starter uh, against Utah, but then went on to finish his, you know, win his final nine games, culminating in that Rose Bowl win over Penn State. You know, and I know if you're a Trojan fan, you won't ever forget that 27-yard touchdown pass to Deion Burnett with one minute and 20 seconds to play. I know I didn't. Darnold, the, the, the timing and the ball placement to split the safeties like that down the middle of the field as a redshirt freshman, 
that's why people were talking him up. You know, just the ice water in his veins. The moment wasn't big enough for him, or wasn't too big for him. You know, minute 20 to play, and you're in the Rose Bowl as a redshirt freshman, and you were able to drive your team down and make that throw, uh, splitting those safeties like that. I mean, just the precision passing, it, it was incredible. 2016, 67.2% completion percentage, threw for over 3,000 yards, 31 touchdowns, and just nine interceptions. No wonder everybody uh, started anointing him as the Heisman Trophy winner coming into the 2017 season. I mean, it, it makes perfect sense, right? And before the season even began, that you know the, the hype train was there with Darnold, and it, it seemed like the pressure only continued to mount, and, and Darnold was just trying to do too much. Now, I mean, obviously he did throw for a school record, uh, you know, 41 uh, school record passing yards. I think it was 4186 on 63.2% passing. Uh, but there were a lot of plays that he left on the field. You know, I think what was frustrating as a Trojan alum was watching Darnold rush his throws, wasn't setting his feet, wasn't pointing his shoulder at, at, uh, to his target, which would cause some errant throws. And I don't know how many times... It was a wide open tight end on a corner route or up the seam. And Darnold, all he needed to do was just put it on his receiver and let him make plays after the catch. But instead, the ball would just sail overhead by a number of yards. I mean, it wasn't even close. Uh, you know, he forced throws into double coverage and uh, just seemed to lock onto his number one target way too much. It made you just wonder, you know, whether or not he was seeing the entire field. You know, and again, it comes back to inexperience more than anything else. Uh, you know, the pre-snap reads, man, that cotton bowl, the pick six by, by Damon Webb, um, you know, of, of the Buckeyes. You know, we should have seen him sitting there on that route in the slot, but he threw it anyway. Webb easily undercut that route and took it to the house. Then, of course, there are the, the fumbles, right? 11 total fumbles, most in the FBS, eight fumbles lost. Two of those fumbles lost came against Ohio State in the cotton bowl. And they were both in the red zone. USC was driving for a score. And uh, that lack of ball security, he just kind of was carrying it like a loaf of bread. Really, that presence of mind to, to know when, when he's under duress and to, to secure that ball. That's an absolute concern. But what I think makes the transition easier is, you know, Darnold's going to get to sit behind Tyrod Taylor, address some of these deficiencies before taking the helm. Now, you know, obviously he also has that elongated delivery. You know, I think we've kind of lost, uh, lost touch of that a little bit. But... Uh, you know, he makes up for that with a quick release. You know, he's again, he's very accurate. The ball placement away from defenders, I think, is is uh, tremendous, and it's the anticipation that I think sets him apart. You know, he he does a tremendous job when he when he is reading the defense. You know, it's, usually it's on his primary receiver, but reading the defense and the ball's out before the receiver's out of the break. You know, just precision passing in tight windows. You know, he he's able to fit balls into those windows because he is reading the defense and he's. You know, he's beating defenders. He's waiting for the receiver to clear, and he's getting the ball to that receiver before another defender can step into that window. Um, you know, the pocket presence to sidestep the rush, uh, just subtle movements to buy time. You know, I, you know, being able to to sidestep the rush just a little bit, step up. Um, you know, he can shrug off defenders like you know Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, I think there was one where he had three, four defenders in the backfield, was able to shrug them all off. And then when he gets outside the pocket, that's when he can really make plays. That's when it's really exciting. Um, you know, and I think teams can really get excited for Sam Darnold because the way that you watch him, 
you know, the, the ability for him to make decisions in the face of some of these exotic blitzes, you know, the ability to navigate the pocket under duress, you know, and, and, and get outside the pocket, keep his eyes down the field, locate a target down the field and, and deliver an accurate ball. Reminds you a bit of, of Aaron Rodgers with the way that he's able to do that. Just manipulate that pocket, change the launch point, make a play down the field. And then, you know, his his short memory is just critical. Yes, he's had the issues. Yes, he, he threw for 13 interceptions um, this past season. And you had all the fumbles. But this was a guy who, hey, I've got 21 total turnovers. Right after he'd commit one of those turnovers, he was back on the field, fearless as ever, looking to make a play. Um, you know, he's, he's not someone who's going to get easily rattled. And I think, you know, coming to a team like Cleveland, um, you know, there are probably going to be some growing pains, you know, with, with that organization. Um, but, uh, you know, for me, Sam Darnold, the inexperience uh, led to a lot of the issues that, that we're speaking of uh, more than anything else. I think there are some other things that, uh, that you see from, from some of the other players in this draft. You know, to me, I, I think Darnold's are probably easily correctable. And I think at the end of the day, you know, you're going to get a, a guy, look, we were talking about everything else. How about some of these intangibles? He's a, you know, the, the teammate, the teammate that he is. Um, you know, if you're talking about what do teammates think of him, watch that cotton bowl. End of the game, takes a late hit out of bounds and the entire team was rallying around him. Um, how about, you know, he he has the trip to Cleveland. On his way back, he changes his flight to make sure that he's there to throw for his teammate, Ronald Jones, at his second pro day. Not many guys are going to be doing that, but that's the type of teammate that Sam Darnold is. So to me, Sam Darnold um, is going to be the first quarterback taken off the draft. I have him number two on my board. We're going to talk about uh, Baker Mayfield here in a minute. Um, But Sam Darnold, to me, I think is going to be uh, the number one overall pick, or at least he should be. Um, Number two quarterback, um, well, I guess it depends on what the Giants are going to do, right? But uh, I think Josh Allen's going to end up with the Bills. And this is the guy that, that Cleveland's talking about as possibly taking as number one overall selection. But uh, Josh Allen you know, wasn't a big name uh, on the recruiting, uh, recruiting trail very, very much. He was from a small farming town in, in Fireball, California, population 7,500. And uh, you know, ultimately attended Reedley College before actually getting the scholarship to Wyoming. Um. You know, it, it's easy to see why, why people will fall in love with this guy. 6'5", 237, uh, 237 pounds. You know, reminds you of of Big Ben. You know, you look at that size. The arm strength is really what has people excited, though. Um, you know, can make throws that only a handful of players can make. Just ball jumping out of his hand, making it difficult, or making difficult uh, NFL-level throws. Just making him look routine. Um, no hesitation in his delivery. Um, just slinging the ball all over the field. Um, and then you pair that with the, the rocket arm with the athleticism. He's actually one of just six uh, FBS quarterbacks with 3,000 passing yards and 500 rushing yards this past season. So you know that he can also make plays with his legs. I think that's another area uh, similar to Sam Darnold that gets teams excited. The fact that he's able to roll roll out, throw the ball a good 30, 40 yards down the field, you know, make it look effortless, um, definitely exciting. Um, you know, the mobility can carry over into the pocket where – you know, another guy who can who can sidestep the rush, um, you know, spinning out of tackles, um, you know, kind of like Big Ben. You know, he, he, you know, takes three, four defenders sometimes to try to bring him down. But, 
he keeps his eyes down the field um, and is able to to really manipulate that pocket. Um, you know, I, I think that he trusts his, his arm strength and his athleticism a little too much, though. Um, when he's outside the pocket, um, you know, he wants to sling the ball down the field without even getting his shoulders square, um, which is going to result in some overthrows uh, of open receivers. Or just try to do too much, throwing the ball late over the over, uh, you know, across his body over the middle, um, which you know we all know is a is a big no no. That's a cardinal sin for for a quarterback to throw the ball late over the middle. Uh, when he's pressured, you know, he doesn't always set his feet. You know, that's going to lead to some errant throws. You know, if you put in the game against Iowa. You know, it's an, uh, you know, a power five school. Um, you know, when he played against Iowa, uh, you know, he he really kind of struggled with with pressure in his face. You know, you, you really saw that. Um, you know, he was he was pressured up the middle, um, you know, caused him to retreat, um, threw off his back foot and. Josh Jackson, who himself is a first-round prospect, uh, was able to step in and easily pick the pass off. You know, I think the question, though, with Allen is is the consistency. On the one hand, you see flashes of brilliance. You know that that Idaho Potato Bowl against Central Michigan, uh, dominant first quarter, uh, 104 yards on six of seven passing, two touchdowns. Or I'm sorry, three touchdowns. Um, poison the pocket to climb and, and avoid the rush on on one touchdown pass to to Jared Scott on a post uh, rolled right to explain, extend the play and, and avoided uh, Joe Ostman who's, who's relentless and isn't going to give up on the play. Um, you know, got to the edge, um, showed a quick release, hit Austin Conway for an 11 yard touchdown. And then the, the elite arm strength and deep ball accuracy hit CJ Johnson uh, up the opposite seam for a 45 yard touchdown, putting it out in front of him again, you know, where nobody else could get to the ball besides him. Um, you know, so I, I think that's that, that that's something that really has people excited. You watch that game, and and you you have to be excited about the prospects for Josh Allen. But on the other hand, there's his accuracy. It's a 56.2 um, completion percentage. You know, has that for his his career. You know, that's that's a you know a big part of his struggles. A lot of people are saying are due to the fact that that he he lacked the talent around him. Now that that argument gained some traction when you look at the fact that that he reduced his interception total from from 15 in 2016 to just six a year a year later, um, but completing 56.3 passes last year was actually an improvement over the 56 in 2016, and that was where he had some NFL level talent. Brian Allen, Wyoming's all time leading rusher, was in the backfield. He's now with the Ravens. Um, you know, he had a, a, a couple of receivers. That uh, that went to the next level. Uh, Tanner Gentry's with the Bears. Tight end, uh, he he was a receiver. Tight end Jacob Hollister's now with the Patriots, and then Jake Mallhart was another receiver um, who had uh, had some talent. You know, and if you were to compare that with 2017 season, um, you know there there wasn't there you know granted there wasn't a whole lot of uh, weapons around him. But if you can compare the 2000 season, 2017 season to Big Ben's sophomore season at Miami of Ohio, both lacked the talent around them. Yet, you know, Big Ben was still able to complete 63.3% of his passes. So I think that argument about the lack of talent around him, you know, it, it only takes you so far. You know, to me, I think it's buyer beware for any team that's drafting a quarterback with uh, under 60% completion percentage. You know, teams want to fall in love with the physical talents of a quarterback and are willing to roll the dice. But, uh, you know, that can the quarterback actually improve his accuracy at the next level? Uh, 2003, Kyle Bowler. 
senior season was his best completion percentage at Cal, and that was 53.4%. But he showed off a rocket arm, was able to drop down to a knee, throw the ball 65-plus yards in the air. Those physical talents ultimately won out over the completion percentage. 19th uh, pick overall by the Ravens. And uh, you know, he finished his eight-year career completing 56.7% of his passes. Titans took Jake Locker out of Washington with the eighth pick of the 2011 draft. You know, in large part because of his athleticism and, and playmaking ability. You know, he was drafted by the Angels in the in the MLB draft. But he managed to complete just uh, 54% of his passes with the Huskies and uh, just completed 57.5% of his passes in his four-year NFL career. And I think the most recent example is, is Christian Hackenberg. You know, the much-hyped uh, Christian Hackenberg at Penn State. Um, you know, he had just a 56.1% completion percentage for his career, but uh, he was drafted in the second round and really he hasn't seen the field, you know, as a result, you know, obviously, you know, you can, you can point your finger at a lot of other players um, that, uh, you know, had completed over 60% of their pass, uh, 60% of their passes and really struggled. You know, Russell Wilson was under 60% for his career until he went to Wisconsin for a senior season. But then he threw, you know, completed over 70% of his passes. Um, so to me, it's something to where, again, it's buyer beware. I've got Josh Josh Allen right now sitting at number four on my big board. And uh, to me, it's one of those things to where you always have to roll the dice. You know, Josh Allen, you know, if you want to talk, talk about, uh, you know, some of the intangibles, is he an intelligent quarterback? You know, if you believe in Wonderlick scores, you know, he, he scored a 37 on his Wonderlick. And, uh, you know, I think that's in the same category as, as Andrew Luck. So from a uh, an ability to retain information, um, you know, and, and football IQ, I think it's there. But, uh, and the physical ability is there. But completion percentage, you know, again, talent's only going to, that argument's only going to get you so far. Is he going to be able to do that at the next level? Um, but again, I think the Bills are probably going to be the best fit for him. I think just the cold weather, everything else. I think ultimately he can come in, sit behind uh, A.J. McCarron and uh, step in and, and take on that role here in the next year or two. Which then moves us to the other Josh. Confused the two a little bit earlier, uh, but we got Josh Rosen out of UCLA. Now this guy's the most NFL-ready quarterback. You know, he, he's fundamentally sound, excellent mechanics, polished footwork, quick release, um, and also has the arm strength to make all the NFL throws. You know, and what's really impressive is his command of the offense. You know, he's always in complete control at the line of scrimmage and knows where to go with the football. Um, you know, he just does a great job reading defenses, going through his progressions, uh, balls out quickly. Um, you know, and when he's balancing in rhythm, again, I talked about a clean pocket um, or you know, when he's standing there in his gym shorts, um, you know, he's, when he's in, in rhythm and balanced, um, he's, he's deadly accurate. You know, he's just going to pick you apart. Um, you know, I think in all of the different all-star, uh, competitions, you saw him stand there and just deliver an accurate ball. Um, but just because you're accurate doesn't necessarily mean that's going to translate at the next level because, you know, mobility has something to do with it. You know, and he may not be the best athlete in the bunch, but, the poise in the pocket is evident because, you know, he keeps his eyes downfield and is able to, uh, to maneuver the pocket, um, you know, a little bit. But, uh, you know, the mobility, like I said, it, you know, when you put pressure on him, you know, put pressure in his face, 
that's when you know he tries to do too much, tries to um, trust that arm just a little bit too much. You know, he, he's very confident. You know, he's a confident kid. He's very outspoken personality. May rub some organizations the wrong way because of it. Um, but uh, you know, it's you know, it, it's something too where where people have talked about you know questioning his heart. You know, and if there is any question, you know, just pop in that that game film of of uh, UCLA's forty five forty four come from behind win over over Texas A and M. I mean, they were down twenty four with just eight minutes to play, and he orchestrated that comeback. I mean, there was a ten yard fade pass to to Jordan Lastly in the end zone with forty four seconds to play to beat the Aggies. You know, in a game that counted everybody out. And if you watch his reaction, you watch his teammates' reaction. You know, you that, that, there's your answer. So I think when you take a look at it, the biggest concern is really the um, the durability. 2016 missed the second half of the season for a season uh, season ending uh, shoulder surgery or shoulder injury. Um, you know, he threw for 4,000 yards a year later, but also sustained two concussions in one season. So you know, with that that frame of his, be able to hold up over the rigors of a of a full NFL season. And the lack of mobility in the pocket, you know, if he's under pressure, is he going to be able to to manipulate the pocket enough to be able to uh, to make a difference at the next level? That's one of the things that you really have to worry and, and be concerned about if uh, if you're looking at Josh Rosen as potentially your quarterback uh, of the future. Which now leads me to Baker Mayfield. Now Baker Mayfield again, I said he's number one on my board. And I think he he his personality kind of changes that losing culture. You know, this is a kid who you can tell just has a passion and a love for the game. Um, you know, he plays with a chip on his shoulder. You know, since high school, you know, he walked on to the to Texas Tech and uh, earned the starting job, but injuries cost him the job there. You know, and, and you know what speaks to to Mike Mike Leach is the fact that Patrick Mahomes, Davis Webb, Baker Mayfield, all on that roster. All will be playing in the NFL here in uh, in 2017. I think that's that that speaks to uh, what what uh, what he had going on there at Texas Tech. But uh, Mayfield, you know, after losing the starting job, he goes to uh, from Lubbock to Norman, walks on to Oklahoma, sits out the 2014 season, and then started the final three seasons there, and uh, ultimately became the first former walk on to win the Heisman Trophy. Um. You know, and and you can sit there and rattle off the stats because you know really you know what makes him special is his accuracy and his efficiency. You know, um, he finished second in his career in in, in FBS history in pass efficiency, uh, 175.4. That was third in yards per attempt, um, tied for fourth with 131 touchdown passes. Was fifth in total offense, uh, with uh, almost 15,700 yards. Uh, seventh with uh, seventh in passing yards, set an FBS record by throwing at least two touchdowns in each of his final 27 games. Um, set Big 12 career records with 40 consecutive games with at least one touchdown, and uh, 153 total touchdowns responsible for. You know, so you know when you talk about Baker Mayfield and and just how dynamic he was, you know the 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 accuracy. You know he, he finished with a 68.5 percent career completion percentage including completing over 70 percent of his passes in each of his final uh, final two seasons with uh, at OU 
and uh, threw for 131 touchdowns and just 30 interceptions, and uh, threw multiple interceptions in just one game in 2017. So you know when when you talk about Mayfield, yes, he's he's just under six uh, one, uh, but he has tremendous feel in the pocket, gets the ball out quickly, and keeps the ball high in his delivery, which is essential if you want to complete passes over taller defenders. Um, you know, and I think a lot of people want to want to make the the, the argument that the, the Sooner offense was predicated on the short passing game. That's going to pad Mayfield's stats, especially with the accuracy. But uh, he was actually incredibly accurate when pushing the ball down the field. You know, he the, the the ball placement. You know, he put the ball where only only his man can get to it. You know, and 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 the anticipation to throw his receivers open. Um, you know, a lot of times the ball was out before the receiver was out of their break. He put the ball where only you know his receiver can make a play and also make plays after the catch, hitting him in stride. There's another guy who uh, you know the windows, short windows, tight windows, and uh, Mayfield was able to hit those guys. You know, he's he's elusive in the pocket. You know, shows the ability to manipulate the pocket uh, to extend his plays. You know, buy time to find the open receiver. Um, and as I've said, he's not the athlete that uh, you know Drew Brees or Russell Wilson are, but uh, you know, he's he's deadly when the play breaks down. He's another one who can definitely improvise. Reminds you a lot, you know, when you watch Sam Darnold, uh, Baker Mayfield. You know, get getting outside that pocket, extending the play, keeping their eyes down the field. I think that's another thing that's key. They're not looking to run. They're not paying attention to the rush. They're keeping those eyes down the football field. You know, Maker, uh, Baker had the uh, the arm strength to to get the ball down the field with velocity uh, and accuracy, and uh, you know, squaring his 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 shoulders to the target, uh, getting his hips around to complete that pass. You know, I think that's something that uh, can set him apart a little bit from some of the other guys here because they aren't always accurate on the run. But uh, we talked about the personality, you know, that edge, that swagger, enthusiasm, passion for the game. Um, you know, that's that's infectious. You know, I, I had the pleasure of, of uh, you know, I, I live in Oklahoma City, so I have have the pleasure of of getting to watch Baker Mayfield uh, day in day out. And I'll tell you the that that personality you saw that his his teammates would just would follow him anywhere. They'd run through a brick wall for him. You, know, you see him running around the field wildly, just waving his arms. And, uh, you know, you can't help but get excited. It's reminiscent of a young Brett Favre, the way that Brett used to run around the field like that. Uh, you know, his personality might rub the people the wrong way, but I think it's a little misunderstood. You know, teams worry about his maturity and off-field issues. The only one was the the arrest in Kansas, uh, public intoxication, and, uh, you know, fleeing the, the police. You know, and there's the video you know, of him getting tackled, trying to run away from the, uh, the police officers. Um but you know the 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 concerns about uh, the fact that he planted the OU flag at the at midfield at, at Ohio Stadium after the upset of Ohio State, um, you know, to me chalk that up to being a fiery competitor. You know, you can make the same argument for the obscene gesture caught on camera, you know, directed at the the Kansas sideline. You know, what people don't talk about there is the fact that uh, you know the Jayhawks didn't shake his hand, um, you know, at the opening coin toss, and there were repeated late hits and trash talk throughout the game. This is a guy who is a fiery competitor, and uh, you know that's really the response that you got. You know that was between the white lines, and uh, you know yes, the gesture was uncalled for, but you know again it was done on the sideline, didn't result in a penalty, and uh, you know after that trip to Lawrence, uh, Kansas, it, he was a different Baker Mayfield, you know a more mature leader, and I think that's one of the things that you're going to see here um, when he makes that transition to the next level.
uh, Lamar Jackson. Like I said, you know, he's, he's a, a young Michael Vick. And uh, can we just end the conversation now about Lamar Jackson playing any other position other than quarterback? I mean, I honestly thought by him not running the 40 at the combine or the pro day forced teams to just consider him as a quarterback, which is what they should be doing. Um, you know, I, I think his career is well documented, you know, bursting onto the scene as a true freshman in 2015, um, completed just 54% of his passes. And uh, he showed off the athleticism, but, uh, you know, he, he wasn't really familiar with the playbook because he came from a high school that didn't even have a playbook. Um, but I think what makes makes things so cred- incredible is that leap that he made to a sophomore season when he won the Heisman, threw for over 3,500 yards, 30 touchdowns, just nine interceptions, uh, ran for over 1,500 yards, 21 touchdowns, became the 32nd quarterback to win the Heisman Trophy beating out uh, Deshaun Watson. Um, but you also saw, you know, some 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 struggles there. You know, completed just 48% of his passes in their final three games. You know, and the Cardinal, Cardinals lost all three of those games. Um, you know, and I think, you know, what, what you saw, in, you know, was as dynamic as he was, he lacked polish as a passer. Didn't really see the entire field, locking onto receivers, wouldn't go through progressions, lacked the pocket presence, and would take the sack, because you know he, he either didn't feel the rush and would hold on to the ball too long or was looking to run the ball rather than throw it. 2017, what you saw from him was a much more confident passer, hanging in the pocket rather than looking to run every chance that he got. And uh, you know I think that development reminds me a lot of Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott, um, in his junior season, when I watched him at Michi- uh, Mississippi State, he was a quarter or a, an athlete that just happened to be playing quarterback. But as a senior, you saw that development. Man, you really saw that development. You know, he was standing in the pocket, making the reads, throwing balls uh, down the field with with anticipation, and uh, you know, excellent ball placement. And I think you started to see that with Lamar Jackson. I think he was really the light bulb was really starting to come on. You know, he he improved his touch. You know, he was fitting passes like I said into tight windows. He was more patient with the football actually throwing with anticipation, throwing some receivers open. Um, you know, so I think that was, you know, that he probably actually had a better season in 2000, 2017 than he did in 2016. Completion percentage was up to 59.1% um, for his his uh, his junior year. And, uh, you know, uh, again, you know, the, the polish and, and still being raw, you know, he still sailed way too many passes to, res- to his receivers, would throw them behind them, um, throwing the ball too far inside a lot of times, which would allow the defender to get over, and make a play on the football. Um, but there's no denying, like I said, the, the comparison to Michael Vick, the athleticism, the speed, you know, he just runs away from you. I mean, he's so you know, loose hipped in the open field, just so elusive. Uh, and then you, you pair that with a rocket arm where he can throw the ball 60, 70 yards with just a flick of a wrist, just makes it look effortless. You know, those are some of the things that Michael Vick was able to do. Um, he's a guy to me. You know, you can compare him with with Michael Vick um, quite a bit. You know, the, the comparisons are, are, you know, they're not not out of line, in my opinion. I think Lamar Jackson's going to be a um, a first round pick. I currently have him pegged to go to the Arizona Cardinals at number fifteen. Um, I, I think you know he's a guy. You know, Steve Wilkes. You know, there in, in Arizona, he got to see what a tremendous athlete can do at the quarterback position at the next level with uh, with Cam Newton. 
there in, in Carolina. And uh, I think you'll have a similar situation there with Lamar Jackson. And then I was talking about the quarterbacks, number six on my list, um, Mason Rudolph. You know, the Mason Rudolph has, you know, 32 uh, school records and, uh, you know, really burst onto the scene as a freshman, you know, beat OU in the, um, in the Bedlam game. And, uh, you know, over the course of his, his career, you just saw him getting better and better and better. He doesn't have a great arm, like I said. Um, you know, several of his balls down the field will kind of hang up in the air a little bit, which can get him into trouble. Um, a lot of times he got bailed out by his, his receivers going up to get the football. But uh, what he does really well is, is survey the, the entire field. You know, he reads defenses, goes through his progressions, makes quick decisions, the right decisions, and uh, you know, he, he's very accurate. You know, I think he does a good job with ball placement overall, you know, putting the ball away from the defender. Even if his ball hangs up, you know, he, it's at least uh, put in a, in a position for his receiver to make the play. Um, you know, he's also elusive. You know, he's a, he's a big guy, can manu- manipulate the pocket, extend plays, uh, spin out of pressure, and keep his eyes down the field, getting rid of the football. But he played in a spread offense there at, at OSU, so he's a guy who I think definitely could use some time to adjust to the next level. Um, but to me, he seems like a perfect fit in uh, in New England, potentially in in, uh, in Pittsburgh as well um, with Big Ben. But uh, you know, there's a chance he could sneak into the first round actually have him going in the second round to the Patriots, but don't be surprised if you hear Mason Rudolph's name called um, on the first day of the draft. And the reason being is there is uh, you know a bit of a drop-off you know, to the next group of, of quarterbacks. Kyle Laletta um, is the, the next quarterback, probably taken in the third round. 6'3", 222 pounds, out of Richmond. Doesn't have a great arm, but another guy who's very accurate, uh, intelligent you know, quarterback, patient in the pocket, um, you know, he uh, is Richmond's all-time leading passer, you know, over 10,000 yards. Um, also set the single-season uh, record for passing yards as a senior with over 3,700 yards. Um, I think he he made the most of his, um, you know, his, his challenge against an FBS opponent. You know, he threw for 337 yards, three touchdowns, completed almost 69% of his passes, beating Virginia 37-20 uh, to 20 in that memorable game to kick off the 2016 season. And then, you know, I think he also made the most of the, the senior bowl. Player of the game, you know, showed the ability to really quickly grasp the offenses and lead a team that he hadn't really worked with prior to that week. You know, I think he's someone who could sneak into uh, the second round, but uh, he's definitely a third third round pick, and uh, he's not getting out of, out of day two. Finally, Luke Falk. Washington State, you know, the, the next quarterback from Mike Leach's uh, air raid system. I threw for over 14,000 yards, you know, 119 touchdowns to just 39 interceptions. Um, but I thought it was an offense that really forced him to read the field and go through his progressions, make decisions quickly. Um, I thought he was deadly accurate, you know, short to intermediate routes. Um, and then the touch, you know, the, he had tremendous touch all over the field, dropping the ball in over the receiver's outside shoulder. Um, but I, I think what, what you have here is, is a guy who doesn't have a great arm, doesn't you're not, not going to see a ton of velocity on his passes, which is going to get him into trouble when he's trying to get the ball to the perimeter. Um, he's also an average athlete. Um, ultimately, you know, held on to the ball too long, um, kind of led to 131 sacks and just uh, in those four uh, four seasons under center with the Cougs. So uh, you know that's that's a reason why he's going to drop is a lot of that uh, 
lack of athleticism and arm strength. But, uh, you know, he's someone who I think maybe Miami uh, might want to take him, you know, uh, an offense that has some of that West Coast flair. You know, I could see that definitely being a, a fit for for Luke Falk there on uh, end of day two. So we've got a few minutes left here in uh, in the podcast. So I want to go ahead and take a look briefly at uh, at my top 10. You know, again, you can go to readyforthedraft.com, check out my updated mock draft. Um, you know, and really, you know, I've talked about Sam Darnold at number one overall, so we're going to go skip to number two in the, in the New York Giants. And for a long time, I've had Bradley Chubb penciled in here to take over for the departed J- uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, who got traded to Tampa. And, uh, you know, the more I sit here and think about it, um, I'm probably going to update my mock draft and uh, pencil in Saquon Barkley here. Reason being is you've already seen what a dynamic running back can do for an offense. You, know, you saw that with Todd Gurley with the Rams. You've seen that with Ezekiel Elliott in Dallas. And you've also seen that to some degree with Leonard Fournette and, uh, and Jacksonville. And I think if the Giants are looking to win now, and I think they are uh, under Dave Gettleman, I think it makes the most sense to take Saquon Barkley here. You know, this is a guy who is going to run, you know, he's going to run by you or he'll run over you. Or maybe he'll even put a highlight reel together of, of him hurtling you. Um, you know, just the the blend of of speed and power is just insane. You know, this is a guy who is you know he's five eleven, uh, two hundred thirty one pounds, and uh, you know squats over six hundred pounds, uh, four hundred pound clean. But then he runs a, a sub four four forty. I mean, it's just an incredible. Um, and then as a as a receiver, you know, one hundred and two receptions. As a uh, you know, uh, in, in his career, and in 2017, he was the, the second leading receiver for the Nittany Lions. Um, to me, you look at that, you put him into that offense, and uh, Eli Manning. I mean, he has to be looking at him, going, "This this has to be uh, a, a dream come true uh, to get a to get a player like this." You know, and uh, you know, you've got Davis Webb there on the roster, so you know, even if Sam Darnold. Um, is available at number two. I think you got to go Saquon Barkley. You really do. You really don't know what you have there in, in Davis Webb just yet. Um, Bradley Chubb, again, would be nice. You know, an elite pass rusher, you got to have that, especially in, uh, you know, the, the the new defense. He's got to be, there's a hole um, opposite Olivier Vernon. And I think Bradley Chubb is the best um, defensive prospect in this draft. Maybe even a better uh, prospect than Miles Garrett. But uh, we'll talk about him here when we get to the Browns at number four. Spoiler alert. Uh, but at number three, the, the Jets taking Josh Josh Rosen. I think that's that's the pick for, for the Jets. There's a possibility that Baker Mayfield could be the guy there. I wouldn't rule that out. But uh, I look at the Jets and uh, Josh McCown, I think, you know, is a guy who can step in and be a starter there. But, uh, you know, Josh McCown, he's he's 38 years of age. So, you know, if he breaks down a little bit as the season progresses, uh, Josh, Josh Rosen is, is the one quarterback to me that I think could step onto the, onto the field early on uh, in, in 2017 and uh, be able to make a difference. So I said number four, Bradley Chubb. So if, uh, if the Giants, I think the Giants really set the tone of this draft. You know, I think if the Giants end up taking um, Saquon Barkley number two, then Bradley Chubb's the pick at number four. You know, if they take uh, Bradley Chubb, then Saquon Barkley's going number four to the Browns. If they take a quarterback, if they take Sam Darnold, 
then that really, you know, um, makes things interesting. You know, what, what does Cleveland do? Do they take Saquon Barkley? Do they look to potentially trade with the Bills? who are going to look to uh, trade up and, uh, and get one of those quarterbacks. And I think that's really the whole draft kind of hinges on what the Giants are going to do. Really uh, fascinating stuff. But for me, when I look at, at Bradley Chubb, um, you know, he's, he's a complete edge rusher. You know, the violence with, with his hands, you know, over 20 sacks in, uh, in his final two seasons. You know, this is, this is someone who, um, you know, can beat you off the edge with, with speed. You know, he, he has some good flexibility. Um, he's physical. You know, he can bull rush you. Um, you know, uses his hands, like I said, very well. Um, he can, you know, rip, spin, you know, he, uh, swim move, you know, he, uh, you know, uses those hands to, to club, club the, the offensive tackle, get those hands off of him really quickly. Um, he can set the edge against the run. Very good in pursuit. Um, complete, um, edge rusher. If you pair him with Miles Garrett, I think that kind of gives you a dynamic duo, um, on defense. Um, and I can see Greg Williams in, uh, in uh, the draft room, you know, really clamoring for Bradley Chubb if he's there on the board at number, at number four, number five, Denver Broncos. I think that's where Baker Mayfield ends up. You know, that makes a lot of sense to me. Baker Mayfield, uh, similar to, to to Case Keenum in size, you know, and I think that's uh, when you're looking at at you know translating. You know, John Elway. You know, if you're looking for swagger, you know, John Elway, you got to go with with Baker Mayfield. Um, I think that makes makes a lot of sense. You know, the Colts sitting there at number six. They'd love to see Bradley Chubb fall to them. They've struggled to find a pass rush after uh, Dwight Freeney and, and Robert Mathis have left. And, uh, you know, really, you know, they're, you know, it, it's, let's see, just 25 sacks a season ago. You know, Bradley Chubb could really make a difference there. But that offensive line also, uh, 56 sacks given up. You know, Anthony Costanzo at uh, left tackle and Ryan Kelly at, at center, really the only two guaranteed starting spots. Quentin Nelson of Notre Dame is a absolute, he's just nasty. You know, he's a, he's a mauler, he's a road grader, uh, a guy who's just going to be very physical. physical. You know, if you saw that LSU game, the, the outside linebacker chase on coming, uh, coming up the middle, just absolutely picked him up and body slammed him. This is a guy who's not only looking to block you, he's looking to just be be physical and and, and maul you and bury you. Uh, but he's also athletic. He can get out, pull very quickly, be a lead blocker, and uh, he knows how to finish in the in the open field. You know, 819 snaps in 2017. Didn't give up a sack either. So when you're talking about pass protection, uh, he's a knee bender. Plays with excellent leverage. Uh, a guy who's going to jolt you at the line of scrimmage and, and shove you back. Um, I think he's a day one starter. I think he's a, probably going to be a pro bowler, if not, you know, year, uh, his rookie year, then by year two, and it'll probably be a perennial pro bowler after that. Uh, Tampa, number seven. You know, this could be a landing spot for Saquon Barkley if he happens to fall. You know, I think, you know, the running back position, Doug Martin, Charles Sims are gone. Um, that really leaves uh, Jaquiz Rogers. And, uh, and Peyton Barber in the backfield, not really um, something that's going to scare teams all that much. Um, you know, uh, this could be a, a spot for um, Derwin James. 
uh, because you know the safety position, Chris Conti, Keith Tandy, um, you know, not really, not really going to scare quarterbacks back there too much. You know, I think Justin Evans and, and Derwin James will be a nice pairing, but the cornerback position, you know, Brent Grimes, 34 years of age, uh, and he was really the only guy uh, at the cornerback position that uh, you know that's returning that actually made uh, you know made made a play and actually picked off a pass. You know, when he had three interceptions. Um, you know, Denzel Ward out of Ohio State makes the most sense to me. Ran a 4-3-2-40 at the combine. Showed the explosiveness with 11-foot, 4-inch broad jump and a 39-inch vertical. Um, you know, so he's a tremendous athlete, very explosive. Um, you know, but I think what what's special about him is he's not very tall. He's only 5-foot-10, but he's very patient. Uh, stays square to his receiver. You know, ignores all those initial movements. Uh, turns and runs with his man. Um, and... Uh, you know, pins the guy to the sideline. Um, you know, he's he's low in his back pedal, and you know the footwork and fluid hips, just able to mirror that receiver right in front of him. Um, you know, he's he's usually in phase um, with inside leverage. You know, on the routes up the sideline, and you know he really times his jumps well to to high point the ball using that vertical leap uh, to pick up, uh, to make a play on the football. Uh, Twenty four pass breakups in his career. Um, and only allowed 32% uh, completions in his final two seasons at Ohio State. He's a day one starter for me. Um, Bears, what are they going to do here? You know, a lot of people are talking about the Bears possibly taking uh, Tremaine Edmonds. You know, this could be a landing spot for uh, for Denzel Ward, uh, Quentin Nelson as a possibility. Um, but at the end of the day, when you're talking about um, Vic Fangio's uh, system, you know, I was reading an article. Um, by NFL.com's Matt Harmon, and I completely agree. You know, he was breaking things down. He noted that the Bears were in the bottom five in the league um, with just 193 run stuffs last season. And in pass coverage, they gave up the highest catch rate um, in the league when a linebacker was nearest the defender. So Danny Trevathan, Nick Kwiatkowski patrolling the middle of the field. Um, to me, I think you put in Roquan Smith, and uh, he'll be a, be your leader on defense. You know, 137 tackles a season ago, 14 for loss, six and a half sacks. Um, guy who just played all over the football field. Uh, very decisive in his movements, plays sideline to sideline, um, makes plays, like I said, you know, in the, you know, behind the line of scrimmage, um, but can also um, drop back in coverage and make plays as well. Uh, to me, um, Roquan Smith is... Um, one of the best athletes in this year's draft. He you know, ran a four five one forty. Um, you know he's he's excellent as a spy against quarterbacks. Um, does a great job reading the quarterback's eyes. Um, you know, and he, he's someone who I think could be a factor in every facet of the game. I think the Bears have to jump on him at number eight if he's there. Um, San Francisco number nine. How about Minka Fitzpatrick out of Alabama? You know, you look at uh, at the secondary, uh, Akella Willerspoon, you know, had a solid rookie season, and I think he's going to be a, pro- you know, shows promise as a starter. Richard Sherman, you know, he tore his Achilles, and, you know, if you know anyone who's torn their Achilles, um, you know, especially, you know, at, at, at Richard's age, um, is he going to be able to return to form? That's really a huge question mark. You know, so you look at uh, at Jimmy Ward, you know, he's getting some reps at cornerback again. You know, is he a safety? Is he a corner? Really don't know. Um, to me, I think you know, putting in a guy like uh, 
you know, Fitzpatrick, the Swiss army knife of the secondary for the Crimson Tide. Um, you know, he was making plays all over the field. Um, 16 and a half tackles for loss, five sacks, nine interceptions, two of which he returned for touchdowns, 16 pass breakups, forced two fumbles, um, just made plays all over the field. You know, this guy was the uh, third player in history to win both the Bednarik and Thorpe Awards in the same season. You know, and he joined some elite company. Uh, future Hall of Famer Charles Woodson in 1997 with Michigan and a seven-time Pro Bowler Patrick Peterson in 2010 with uh, with LSU. I think Fitzpatrick you know, has a high football IQ, uh, does a great job uh, reading reading, uh, reading the plays and reacting very quickly. I think he's a day-one starter for the, for the 49ers. And uh, John Lynch and, and Kyle Shanahan, they just keep con- uh, continuing to get better. Which finally leads me to number 10. The Oakland Raiders, you know, this was a team who I think people were expecting to contend for an AFC championship. Uh, Jack Del Rio, you know, is out after a 6-10 and 10 record. John Gruden comes in, Chucky back in the silver and black. And, uh, you know, I, I think they're going to be looking for a guy who who has some speed, you know, has, you know, the a rangy linebacker like, uh, like Tremaine Edmonds. You know, this is a guy, you know, he's lean. But he's 6'5 and 253 pounds, which, you know, is kind of scary. He has 34 and a half inch arms, you know, uses that length to get off blocks quickly. He's just does such a tremendous job, um, you know, moving, moving quickly from sideline to sideline. Um, you know, he, he um, changed the direction on a dime, able to uh, run, run defenders down from behind. So really, I think NFL teams will probably try to run at him first to see what happens. But I think he's a guy that you can line up there with with Khalil Mack and uh, allow him to make some plays all over the field. So I think, you know, that's my top 10. And, uh, you know, I think we're at about time. Um, you know, I've enjoyed uh, the last hour uh, getting to break down um, you know, a little bit of uh, the 2018 draft with you. Um, so that kind of takes the, the first episode to a close. Uh, but the next episode, I'm going to be putting it out here in uh, in the next day or two, uh, because again, NFL draft is you know right around the corner on April 26th, and we're going to talk about the uh, the skill position players. You know, we look at the running back class; is it as good as last year? Uh, the receiving core, you know, not so much depth at the top, but a lot of guys that you can find on uh, on day two and early on day three um, who can make an impact for you. And then the tight end position, you know, not a not a deep class at tight end, but uh, there are about four or five guys that uh, I'm excited to see play at the next level. So uh, we'll talk about all the skill position pl- uh, players on offense, and uh, we'll take a look at my uh, draft, my mock draft, um, picks 11 through 20. So hopefully you've enjoyed the ride so far. Uh, again, this is Greg Shoots for readyforthedraft.com, Ready for the Draft podcast. Take care, everyone. Have a great day.